If you have your Bibles, we're going to be, if you go to Matthew 2, we'll eventually get there. Um, maybe even one. Uh, looking at a supernatural Christmas, I thought that was a good title for a series. Uh, supernatural, uh, literally above nature, beyond nature, uh, something that uh, it's beyond scientific understanding and the laws of nature. Uh, doesn't violate it, it just suspends it. Uh, so we're looking at four different things, really five when we'll talk about Jesus uh, as a uh, God incarnate, which is quite supernatural too, I guess. Uh, we'll do that Christmas Eve and uh, Christmas Day, which if you didn't look at your calendars, Christmas Day is on a Sunday. Uh, so it's one of those once every six or seven years where we have uh, a Christmas service uh, on Christmas Day, which is kind of neat. We've always had the Christmas Eves. So the four things we're looking at is, is the words that came. We did this last week, the revelation. We looked at a lot of different times when this expected Jesus, this Messiah came. And Jesus, as the Messiah, comes and fulfills a number. We looked at nine of those. There's more. Um, we also see these dreams, which is what we're going to look at today. In um, the next couple of weeks, we'll look at stars and angels. That sounds like a fun thing to do, doesn't it? Uh, lots of supernatural things happening, but today, dreams. Um, lots of information on dreams. I just quit reading, trying to get some for this sermon. It's like, well, what are people talking about dreams now? Um, and then I had a dream. No, I didn't. But <laughs> it would have been cool if that uh, would have happened. Uh, there's all kinds of conjecture on what what our dreams mean and whether we should remember them or can we remember them and all types of different uh, things out there. But when we come to the Bible, I think one thing we have to remember is we've got a lot of information packed in the New Testament, a very short time period, uh, especially the Gospels. Uh, there's not a lot of nativity. We don't know much about Jesus uh, childhood at all. It's just that three to three and a half years, there's a lot of stuff going on. And what we have to be careful of, whether it's dreams or angels or stars, this is not expected all the time. This is something that happened for a particular reason. There's only one time in the history of the world that God became flesh and dwelt among us. So you're probably going to have some things happen. And we see this during the nativity time. Uh, now, dreams and visions, this is words, you have these in Hebrew, you have these in Greek. For the most part, dreams are when you're sleeping. And this is probably not information you don't know, uh, but usually at night. And visions are while not sleeping, um, although those words are used interchangeably sometimes. Uh, I remember studying Hebrew, you think, well, this word always means 90% of the time, most of the time, this. But sometimes it means this, and it's kind of the same thing with this one always means at night, except when it doesn't. And you just kind of have to go with context. But that's the way we're going to use So there's two main types of dreams and visions in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And there are quite a few, but again, when you go to the Old Testament, you've got at least 2,000 years of redemptive history. Uh, and why am I saying this? Because I don't know if we're supposed to expect these. Expect a vision would probably be a bad bumper sticker. Uh, I don't know that that would be something you should do. If you get one, you get one. And when you look at these visions, when you look at these dreams, nobody's asking for it. 
I can't find a verse in the Bible that says, you need to ask for some good dreams. And you need to ask for visions. They may happen, but we're never told to ask for them, which I think is helpful. But what are the two main types? Well, you get some symbolic images. You see this uh, mostly in, in the Old Testament uh, because, again, it's covering so much time. You get Joseph. If you remember, um, there's a, I think the, the kid's version of the Joseph story is called King of Dreams, I think, if I remember that. It's a little cartoon, you know. But uh, he has a dream. Remember, he's the second youngest child of the different f- four uh, women. He's uh, Rachel's child. But he has a dream that these sheaves of wheat are bowing down to his sheep of wheat, you know. And, of course, that just makes his brothers happy, right? Yeah, they didn't like hearing this. But they they're, they're need to have an interpretation, and he, he has, then he has the moon and the, and the sun bowing down to, again, his planet thing. So it's, it's just showing that something's going to happen. Now, we know that these were prophetic dreams because what happens is eventually his brothers come for grain many, many years later because of the famine, and at that time he had come to be second in command of Egypt, and guess what? All, four, all, all of them bowed down before him just like his dream. took a while, but Pharaoh had some dreams. This is what got Joseph to be second in command. Zephanath Paneah. I don't know why people don't call their kids that. You see a lot of Josephs, but Zephanath Paneah, you just don't see that many. I don't know. If you're, having, if you're pregnant, think about it. Uh, let's call him Zeph. I don't know. Uh, but Pharaoh had a dream. If you remember, he had the, the lean cows come out and eat up the fat cows and the lean ears eating up the, the fat ears, and you know nobody could interpret it. And this is a key, too. As far as we know, and there may be more, there was only two people in the history of the world that were able to interpret these dreams. Uh, wasn't frequent. Uh, I'm sure you can Google it and find somebody to interpret yours. Heck, I can do it for you. Might not be right, but I can interpret it. It's not hard. Uh, but this, it's one thing to interpret. It's another thing to interpret something that comes true. These were prophetic dreams. These were dreams that were showing something was going to happen, but Pharaoh didn't know what it meant. And, of course, it obviously was the famine, and Joseph says, you know, let Pharaoh set someone. I wonder if he was thinking, he didn't say it, but let Pharaoh set somebody up to do all that, and he does all this. So we see those prophetic dreams. But, again, they have to be interpreted. The hardest one is in Daniel 2, uh, and I know y'all like to get a nice, fun assignment for the week because, you know, this time of year you're bored, don't have anything to do. You know, read through Daniel. I mean, it's interesting. There's a lot in there, a lot of dreams, a lot of visions. But this one's even, even more pointed. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream about a statue, and then eventually in chapter 4 he has one about a tree. And he tells, this is what he tells the, the, the people, the sorcerers and all that, that Daniel, Daniel's in exile from Jerusalem after the uh, overthrow of Jerusalem by uh, Babylon. He doesn't just tell them to interpret the dream. He tells them to tell them what the dream is. Now, that's hard. I can't do that for you. I can interpret your dream mostly wrongly, but I don't know what it is. And 
So then what happens if you read through, you know, they're going to they're gonna kill everybody if they don't get this. It doesn't, so they pray, and God gives Daniel not only the dream, what it was, what it meant. And that's in chapter 2, and again, it happens in chapter 4. But these need to be interpreted. Um, and that's, but they're, notice what these dreams are. These are dreams about essentially coming to this lineage, this group of people where the Messiah is going to come out of. You know, so I suppose it's possible that God could give you a dream that you need to interpret about your life, but these are usually not just individual things. These are, these are corporate things. Uh, and I do think if God wants that, he'll, he'll do it for you. I just be careful with that. I just, I know there's people out there that think that every dream means something. You know, it might just mean that that pepperoni pizza before going to bed was a bad idea. <laughs> I don't know how that works. Now, that doesn't mean I don't think God isn't the king of dreams. If you have a dream, he probably wants you to have it, but, uh, or at least he allows you to have it. Maybe we should say it that way. Because um, we've all had some dreams where you're like, are you sure? <laughs> you want me to have that dream? <laughs> but those are the, and, and then a subset of this, and we're going to hit this for a little bit, is you get a lot of symbolic visions. These are different. Uh, these are, you know, both, you know, Joseph, Pharaoh, Nebuchadnezzar, they have these dreams where they're sleeping. They're, you know, this is, these are visions, and we see these in the Bible. And the main place we see these is Ezekiel, a little bit in Isaiah, a lot in Daniel, and a lot, 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 lot in Revelation. In fact, the, pretty much the whole book's a big vision, um, which is why we struggle understanding, because a lot of symbolic imagery here. Uh, so did I give you an assignment yet? I'll read Daniel. Well, we'll read Ezekiel 1, too. You know, these guys uh, probably knew each other. Uh, just to give you, y'all like this, you know, you know, you know in, in 605 after uh, B.C., uh, after uh, kings not following in Judah what they want, uh, Nebuchadnezzar comes in and kind of takes away some of the golden boys and girls, and Daniel is one of those. And then you've got, to quote, the uh, uh, great philosopher Bob the Tomato, um, you've got Rack, Shack, and Benny also coming with him, uh, which actually are his, their uh, Babylonian names, which is interesting. But, uh, but you've got these guys come. So Daniel's there at 605, and he, we get a lot in his story. Ezekiel was uh, from a priestly family, probably was a priest. And you, you think about it, if you're a priest, what do you do in Jerusalem? You're in the temple a lot. You're doing sacrifices. They're not in the, he gets deported in 597 with another group. It's really hard to do your sacrifices when you're all that ways away from the temple. And so a lot of his book is about the temple. But chapter 1 is, is about this really interesting vision. You, I don't know, we had this song when I was a kid. Uh, I think we usually sang it at campfires. Where's Jeff at? Yeah, that, that we uh, it was called. Remember Ezekiel saw a wheel rolling. <laughs> you want to sing it, or you want me to? Okay. Uh. <laughs> but it, this is this comes from the chapter one. It's really kind of odd. You know, it's a, it was Ezekiel saw a wheel rolling. Wait, anyway, come on, join it. Wait, let's do a round. You guys go Ezekiel. No, I'm just kidding. But it was, uh, it, you know, it, it, was, it was a song about this first, trying to understand it. it, it 
you know, it's really interesting. It's, it's telling us something about the power of God and these, these celestial beings is what they're called. Very interesting. But Ezekiel is a very, very deep book. This is ultimately God's throne. And it has some big similarities if you skip down to Isaiah 6 there, you know, Isaiah's throne vision is amazing. You know, you get the seraph come with the coals on the lips and, you know, who shall I send, you know, all this kind of stuff. It's really cool. Um, you see these, but they're, they're, the imagery has got to be hard. Um, in chapter 37 of Ezekiel, which you do not have to read this week, <laughs> unless you want to, the valley of the dry bones, you know, where Ezekiel sees all these dead bones come to life. I mean, should show this movie at Halloween, right? But it's an interesting, and there's more in, in Ezekiel, but Ezekiel, one of the coolest visions he has is in 1819. Remember, he's in Babylon in 587 when the destruction of the temple happens and they come in and wipe it out. But he gets to see it from a spiritual. If you ever want to, you can and get the, uh, what really happens, that Nebuchadnezzar, but you can get the spiritual version and the angels that come. And even, it wasn't the first time, the Revelation with the writing on the forehead was not the first one that talked about this. That's in Ezekiel 19. So, uh, now you guys are going to read that, aren't you? Yeah, yeah it's pretty cool. I do that on purpose. Yeah. Daniel 7, 9, and 12. Daniel, if you read that, you know, the first, we know Daniel and the lion's den and all that kind of stuff. And that's good. You know, the first six chapters are kind of narrative with these dreams. 7 through 12 is pretty much vision after vision after vision. Eventually, he gets tired of just getting visioned. Uh, Gabriel shows up. Some angel named Michael shows up. And they're fighting this prince of Persia. Interesting stuff. You kind of get, it's almost like Daniel and the vision. We uh, take back a cloak of just what we think is reality. And you start seeing the spiritual, dare I say, supernatural stuff coming in. That's why these visions are interesting. But most of them are talking, especially Daniel 7 through 12. That's where you get the Ancient of Days coming on his throne and the son, uh, one like the Son of Man comes, which is kind of a picture of somebody who looks like a man. And the kingdom is going to be given to him and it will be an everlasting kingdom and he will have dominion and his kingdom will have no end. And then you get to chapter 8 and 9 where... Gabriel comes and tells Daniel that this, this Messiah, this king is going to come and turn the people's sins are going to be forgiven and the kingdom is going to come and then we come somewhere around 500 and some odd years later to the comic book that I just had where Mary is there and that same Gabriel, unless maybe there's two Gabriels, that's possible, I guess. I don't think so. He comes and he almost says the same thing to Mary. That the child within you is going to be the one who takes away the sins and brings, turns the hearts of the people back to Yahweh. And, and she kind of gets it. So it, it's kind of, why are we talking? Well, it, God is showing these people. But what do you see here? If, if you were in by the river Kebar, uh, when Ezekiel had his... Uh, vision with the wheel with on a wheel of rolling. You sure you don't want to sing that? That sounds kind of fun. Maybe we'll do that, Aaron, later. Maybe not today, but we'll get that on the docket. Um, what would you see when Ezekiel was having his vision? 
It's an interesting thing to think about, isn't it? I mean, if you were doing a movie of Ezekiel and you were showing what he looked like, I mean, is he, is he kind of, you know, I mean, what's he doing? It's, it's, I mean, I don't have the answer. I thought maybe you did. Uh, but it's interesting to think about what's going on in there. But the, the idea is it's for them. It, it, they wrote it down so it's for us, but it's first person. And sometimes we think about that when we're trying to understand uh, someone who's seeking, you know, why don't I get a vision? Why doesn't God tell me? Why doesn't God write in the sky that I'm here? Well, I think he gives people what they need. And if you seek him, you will find him. But I don't know if we always need that. If you ask Isaiah, Ezekiel, and probably John, they're probably like, you know what? I'm okay without another one. Because these are hard, you know? You wonder how many. And then in Revelation 4, you get again a throne room. In chapter 6 and chapter 4, you get the throne room, which is really interesting, one of the neatest pictures. And I don't know how I'd do this in my movie. But I looked, and there was a lamb who looks like he had been slain. And I looked again, and there was a lion. It's kind of a lamby lion which makes a lot of sense when you start thinking of the imagery, but hard to write down. And then in chapter 6 and 8 and 16, you get the seven bowls, the seven trumpets, uh, and the seven seals and all this imagery that comes in. But what's it all about? Why, do we, why all these visions? Some of this stuff has to be interpreted, and some of it's hard to interpret. Some of the interpretation is given. You go to Daniel, the angel says, this is what it means. That's really nice. We don't get that in Revelation. I kept waiting for that. But we didn't get that. So we have to kind of try to figure out what it means. But one of the things that you'll notice in all these visions is you have this figure in the Old Testament and in the New that everything points back to. It's, it's interesting. All of these end up, I mean, read Daniel 10, 11, and 12. I mean, it's like, wow. It's all about the Messiah. It's all about... He's going to come, and he's going to do these things, and it's just really, really interesting. You know, Daniel writing this 400 or more years before getting this, and what? who is the star of Revelation? It's the one walking through the lampstands that looks like a lamb but is also a lion, but yes, so rides on a white horse and then comes and is the light as we look at Advent of the whole world, the new heaven and the new earth, which you all know about because we're going through that in the Heaven series, right? So these, that's a subset. But for today, the other type of dream is direct information, where you just get a dream that says, do this. I think I'd like one of these better if God asked me, I'm going to give you a dream. He probably won't. Um, I don't know why he would. Uh, do you want one of those wheel of thought of wheelie thingies? Or do you want me to just tell you something? I think I'll go with B. And that's what happened. Uh, you go away with Gen Genesis 31, where you have the Jacob and the Laban problem, and eventually Jacob has a dream, and he had more than one, but this one tells, you go back to your land. You can leave here. It's time. God tells him in a dream. You know, why doesn't God appear to him and say it? I don't know. That answer. Uh, fun to talk about. Remember Solomon, and I don't know why I put it this way, but get a blank check in First Kings 3. You remember that? God comes to him 
in a dream, says you can ask for anything you want. What if you got that this Christmas? You can have anything you want. I usually think, well, this is what I want, but this is what I should want. Most people, I want to win the lottery. But then you got to pay all those taxes. So maybe just give me the money. But then they're going to come and ask me. This is like if you give a mouse a cookie is what's happening here. You, when we ask for what we want, what would you say? Well, what did Solomon say? What did he ask for? Wisdom. Unfortunately, as he got older, he forgot to use it. In a lot of different ways. He did build the temple, which was good. But I wonder, here's a hint. What do you want, Lord? <laughs> that might be the best answer. But be careful for what you hear. Because it's not always what we want. You get other ones. Remember when Paul had his road to Damascus experience? He was torturing the church, and in Damascus there was a, a believer named Ananias told to go to Paul, and you can imagine what that was like. It's like, are you sure? But he got that. In Acts 10, you have Cornelius has a dream about this guy that can tell him the, the one true God, and then Peter gets a dream that, hey, Gentiles are okay, and you can eat stuff, and it's kind of cool. Again, dreams that give direct information. If you read the Acts 10, it's kind of cool, where Peter's dream and he's up on the housetop um, and it's almost like right when he gets done with this vision Cornelius's guys show up. It's kind of cool. God doing that. And then a couple times in Paul's ministry he gets a dream that there's a man from Macedonia saying come over here. Go to, go to Macedonia. You know. And he did. Uh, it's not the place down by Carson. It's part of Greece. Um, and then, the, again, should I stay in Corinth? And, and he gets a dream that says to do that. So we get these direct dreams, which brings us to the meat of our first coming dreams that we have. This, this is the idea we get in the New Testament dreams during the Nativity, and they're all of the number two type. And most of them are to Joseph. You know, why does Zachariah and Mary get direct angelic you know, appearances and Joseph gets a dream? I don't know. You know, maybe Joseph had sleep apnea or something. And he, every time he sat down, you know, Gabriel shows up and he's like, every time I come, this dude's asleep. Let's do the dream thing. You know, it probably wasn't quite that practical. But what do we have? These are given supernatural information that they needed. Because if you, if you haven't seen the Nativity movie, which I think came out in 0506, see it. And I'm sure it's on Netflix or Amazon Prime or... If you really need it, I'll buy you one. It's got to be on Amazon or something. Really good, really well done. What it does is it develops Joseph and Mary as characters, as real people. And I think that's really good. Because we think about, well, I had the, you know, I had the angelic experience, but they didn't get them much after that. And as far as we know, you know, they raised Jesus with just the Torah to try to, and, and, you know, in the Old Testament to try to figure out. I'm sure they remembered the dreams, but there's nothing in the text that says, you know, Joseph's trying to figure out, you know, what I should do with Jesus, and then an angel appears and says, you know, it doesn't work that way, you know. So Joseph first gets the message, and this is the one we talked about with the kids. An angel tells Mary's betrothed that there's no need to divorce her. Says, uh, you'll have to tell me how well I did at the children's sermon. And, get, and you get into the 
reasons why people have babies, you got to be a little careful. <laughs> um, so I think, I think it went okay. The Bible does pretty good. So, um, And the child she is expecting is the Savior. Uh, really good dream. And then, you get, of course, you get the Isaiah 7, you know, the virgin conceived and have a child, and you will name his name Emmanuel. That's the end of Matthew. And if you want, you're welcome to go to the text. It's right there at the last part of chapter 1. And the, the nativity does this really well, I think. I don't know if it worked this way, but it's just really good. You can imagine this. It, 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 it's a scene, and actually you don't even have to imagine it. You can watch the movie. Um, but the Mary is trying to tell her parents what's happening. And say, think about what Mary has to get these people to understand. I am pregnant. Yes, it is showing, but it was from God, so it's okay. You know, and, 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 you know, again, what would you think as parents? And y y I can remember, so they're standing there, and Mary's standing here, and in the background you see Joseph. And that little dialogue is one of the best, you know, again, it's extra biblical, but it could have happened that way. Really, you know, this is what this says. He's going to put her away. He's trying to be nice to her. And that, that movie does a good job of it. It's a, if that's not a Christmas tradition for you, you can find time, you know. Just elf, watch Elf like a couple times instead of like 10. So that's one of them we get. But it continues. We get uh, the Magi get a dream. Uh, you remember the, the Magi? They, uh, they visit. You know, if you go to chapter 2 there, you can kind of come down. And they come to, you know, his star, which we'll talk about next week. And they say, you know, where is this king supposed to be? And it's like in Bethlehem. And then you get the Micah 5. And Herod summons them, and they come, and eventually he says, you know, Herod, lying, of course, you know, you go find him, and then we'll come and worship him too. So the Magi do go find him. Um, verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. It's just like, that's just the Greek way to say they're really, really happy. This is cool. Um, and going to the house, they saw the child, they opened the gifts. And then verse 12, it's kind of just sets there. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So they didn't go back. And it allowed, it looks like, the, the, uh, another warning to come to them. But, uh, but uh, how did that dream go? Did they all get it at the same time? Has anybody had a dream that other, somebody else had at the same time? Me neither. Yeah, that would be weird. And I, maybe it's just one of them and they told the rest. But again, the text just says this happened. But this is a supernatural dream. Don't go back there. He's duping you. May, they may not have known that before. So that's, that's the second dream. It comes to the Magi. We kind of miss that. Kind of miss that they get supernaturally warned not to do that. And then we go back to Joseph again. And Joseph gets a warning. Uh, he gets warned that he's supposed to take Mary and, and Jesus to Egypt before Herod hunts down the child. The next verse, now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Now, couldn't God just have done like, I don't know, put a force field around Jesus? You know what I mean, force field. That's the force field sound. 
Um, could have you just said, you know, the Jedi mind trick, you know, Jesus is not here and here, you know. He could have, could have, but he doesn't. It, it, it often works that way. It ends up to Egypt. We find out later, had that last week, that ends up being kind of a prophetic fulfillment as he comes out of Egypt and he's the type of Israel that's perfect out of Egypt, I've called my son. So there's reasons he does it, but, you know, God works in mysterious ways sometimes. Um, I would, if you saw that angel that appeared to, to Mary, at least in the comic book, I mean, just have him come there. Or that angel of death from the 10th plague. I'm sure the dude could do fine with Herod's little army. You know, we've got one angel kills 10,000 people in 1 Kings. But no, flee. That's what they do. Another dream. And I don't know how that works. If it's like the, the cliffhanger movies where the horses are coming. <laughs> That's the horse. And, they, and the, they're, they're coming with their swords and they're trying to get, and of course, Mary, she's trying to pack a bag, right? Yeah, and she wants to make sure her hair looks good, you know, and it just keeps taking longer and longer, and they just get out, they just get out the back door, and here comes, here comes, a, that's a torch, if you didn't know that. That, that, I don't know if it works that way, it doesn't really matter, but they were warned, and they had to take off and do that. So there's a, and, a, and then eventually, if you read on in 19 and 20, when Herod died, finally, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph. Does this seem like a kind of a pattern? In Egypt, saying, rise, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who sought the child's life are dead. So where would you go? We'll go back to Jerusalem, maybe, you know, pick up a few souvenirs, see the family in Bethlehem, you know, I mean, wouldn't you do that? So that looks like that they're going to do, but nope, one more dream. Again, but when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there, and we missed this one. Being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. Interesting. So five dreams, and th these are the type two part. You just, God's working through this. Now, we don't know. They don't get dreams after that. As far as we know, maybe they did. They're not recorded. But supernatural. God worked through this. You know, five dreams that God gives direct information to these guys. And as the worship team comes up, you know, think about that. Think about the fact that God works in ways in the lives of people, even back then, in ways that we may not understand why. You know, why do it this way? Why not just have a big party when the Messiah comes and say, he's the one. This is the one. Don't get messed up. This is the guy. No, God does it in the way he does it. And in your own life during Christmas, look for the way sometimes he will subtly help you. It's not always going to be a big thing. And even sometimes when he comes to us in big ways, it's challenging to follow that stuff. But he'll give you what you need, uh, even if he doesn't always give you what you want. Let us pray. Father, as we look through these dreams, we know that uh, you work in mysterious ways, that uh, all of this was in your hands from the very foundation of the world ever since Adam and Eve uh, bit that fruit and restoration needed to happen. As we continue to sing these songs, may we remember that you work in our lives 
providentially, if not supernaturally, but may we always point back to the one who came supernaturally, born of a virgin, born under the law, to redeem us from the power of sin. We thank you for that this Christmas season. 